reason that taxes are the number three pillar in building your online empire is that taxes are the biggest killer of wealth, my friends. And if you're paying the IRS any kind of tip in addition to what you must pay them, which you might be, you could be jeopardizing your empire. So we've got five main tax strategies at Fit Wealth U that you should be aware of at all times in your business to help you save money that could either go back into your business or into building your future. Welcome to Fit Wealth U. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and I've spent years in the trenches of entrepreneurship, learning the ins and outs of financial success, both good and bad. Now I'm here to share with you the financial secrets of building your online empire. So subscribe now and stay tuned. This is Fit Wealth U, where your money mastery begins. Welcome, welcome, students of Money Mastery. I am so excited to launch our very first episode of Fit Wealth U. Well, we did have another one, but last week was just a trailer. So this is the true first episode. And I hope, my very, very one hope is for you guys to get such amazing value out of this podcast. I'm literally taking everything that I've learned from my I don't even know if I want to tell you how many years of entrepreneurship it's been. <laughs> it's been about 17 years now of entrepreneurship. And all of the experience that I've had, I'm hoping to bring to you over the upcoming episodes. And today, there are five general pillars of building your online empire that if you understand these concepts, you will be a successful business owner and therefore build your long-term wealth, build your online empire, have the business that you set out to create. I truly believe this for you. If you don't understand these, these five pillars, that's okay. We are going to master them throughout our time together. Now, if you haven't had time yet, please do so. Please be sure to subscribe to this show, share it with other business owners, online business owners, if you will. We would love for this podcast to grow as long as you're learning something. If you're not learning anything, shut it off, move on with your lives. Now, I'm speaking mostly to online health and fitness professionals here, but if you happen to have a brick and mortar facility, please don't go anywhere. This show is also for you. You're going to learn so, so much. Now, for those of you that haven't heard my story, I'm a, should we call it retired? We're going to call it retired Insurance and financial services agent. I had a successful insurance agency. So what does that exactly mean? So I sold auto insurance, homeowners insurance, life insurance, annuities, mutual funds, right? I sold basically anything that you need as an adult needing insurance of some kind, some kind of basics for you and your family. Now I was, um, I started this in 2008 and I grew it to one of the largest of its kind in our state. And I had the beautiful opportunity to sell my agency in 2020. And now I get to do this lovely thing called business with all of you wonderful people. Now, that wasn't without its ups and downs and learning a few things along the way, 
you know, my husband, Sean and I, we've been entrepreneurs for a very long time. We've had other various business opportunities, some successful, some not. And I'm sure I'll have the opportunity to share some of the not so great successes that we've had along the way. But for today, I want to talk to you about the five pillars of building your empire. Things that I didn't know prior to this exit that I had, that if you learn now, you'll be successful in your business. Maybe you haven't done so great. Maybe you've done great with money, but maybe you haven't made great choices with that money. Maybe you have no idea what you're doing in your business. That's totally fine. Stay tuned because we hope to enlighten you. Number one, the number one pillar of building your online empire is knowing your financial KPIs. What do I mean by that? So each industry has a set of financial KPIs that's kind of important for business owners to know and understand. I mean, knowing your numbers, financial spreadsheets. You guys believe me, this is something that I hated the thought of even thinking about. But if you don't have anything of the sort, please head over to our Facebook group, Fit Wealth U, so that you can learn more about this. Um, I'm going to link that Facebook page or Facebook group, excuse me, into our show notes. But what I mean by this is that if you are aware of what your KPIs are for your business, you're going to do really well just being aware of them, right? It's kind of like looking in your bank account and knowing, or maybe even looking at your credit card statement and knowing, nah, maybe I better not get that thing. Or maybe I need to, you know, hustle a little more this month, or maybe things need to change a little bit. But knowing what your KPIs are as an online business owner is so vital. And we'll talk about the specifics of, you know, the most important KPIs in especially the online fitness industry. Um, But for example, your gross profit margin, it's absolutely vital that you know this and that you are within the correct ranges. Um, There's a certain range that as an online fitness professional that you should be within. And also brick and mortar has a different range. Obviously you have different expenses in there. Brick and mortar is a little more costly than obviously working out of your home. Um, But remember The biggest thing to keep in mind with your profit margin is that you cannot outrun a crappy profit margin. You can only fix it. So knowing your KPIs is the number one pillar in uh, building your online empire. Number two, business entity, your structure. Do you have one? Do you know which one you should have? Which one should you have from the beginning? Do you even need an LLC? Should you have an S Corp? Why one over the other? The point is the structure of your business can have a significant impact on you and your business, right? And knowing when you should have one and when you maybe don't need one quite yet is really important. Okay, if we're just having guinea pig clients, we haven't even launched this thing off the ground yet. We don't need to go spend money that we don't have, right? But if we are um, going at a certain pace, we are forecasted to do really well, we might want to skip over a couple steps and head straight for the S-Corp, right? Okay, so just keep that in mind that there are certain things that we need to be aware of as far as our business entity and our structure, having the right contracts in place for them. These are all super important things to keep in mind. So that was pillar number two. Pillar number three, taxes. Taxes. The reason that I listed this one right after business structure 
is because that business structure in and of itself is a vital role in tax savings. There's more to it than that that you need to be aware of. So before you go and put some sort of a S-corp structure in place, you need to be working with a professional because you could really kind of mess things up if you don't know what you're doing. So make sure you seek a professional on that. But the reason that taxes are the number three pillar in building your online empire is that taxes are the biggest killer of wealth, my friends. And if you're paying the IRS any kind of tip in addition to what you must pay them, which you might be, you could be jeopardizing your empire. So we've got five main tax strategies at Fit Wealth U that you should be aware of at all times in your business to help you save money that could either go back into your business or into building your future. So taxes are the third pillar of building your online empire. Pillar number four in creating your, or in building, excuse me, your online empire is your fitness business profit formula. What do I mean by this? This means that you need to separate your finances Your business money should be separate from your personal expenses if you want to run a profitable business to have a great profit margin in order to build this beautiful empire that we're trying to build. So if you suck everything out of it, you'll really be on this never ending hamster wheel of a business, right? Do you ever feel that this hamster wheel that you're always running, you're trying to outrun, right? So it's really important that you are separating your business money from your personal expenses. Now from there, we want to have three business bank accounts. One business checking, or as I like to call it, your operations account, where all of your funds will flow in and out of. And the second one is going to be your tax account. Like it or not, 10% of that money that you're bringing in is not actually your money. It's Uncle Sam's money. We'll get into a specific tax strategy later, but regardless of any profitable business, you will pay some taxes. So you'd better have some set aside. So we like to say around 10% of your gross revenue for online businesses. Again, you're going to have a little bit of a different number um, if you are either an S-corp or a brick and mortar facility. Um, But just keep around that 10% uh, gross revenue. That is going to be the rule of thumb there. Now, in my professional opinion, the most important of the three is going to be your profit account. Now, why in the world would this be the most important? Well, because this is the one that you're going to take from, uh, it's going to be your backup money, essentially. So we always like to say three to six months, depending on how, I guess, back up against the wall personality type you are. So if you like to play it safe, have closer to six months of savings. If you're like, you know, I like to, I like to run on adrenaline, right? Then you can, you can have one to three. Um, But this is going to be your backup money. But it's also, you guys, it's also going to build your online empire, Okay, so this is money that you're going to be putting back into your business for additional things. Um, Maybe you're going to want to expand. Maybe you're going to want to hire that additional employee. We'll get to that later. Um, But this is going to be for business expansion, things that you see down the road for the vision of your business. All right. And also your personal wealth, retirement, future wealth building. Do you want to buy an Airbnb? Things like that. So this 
this profit account is super, super important. So those are the three main accounts. All right. And the last but certainly not least and is the final pillar, pillar number five in building your online empire. That is delegation. Delegation, my friends, knowing who to hire in your business. And what are you going to be paying them? Having the appropriate contract with that right employee, assistant coaches, virtual assistants, or whoever it is that's going to be helping you build the dang thing. Who will you choose and what are you going to help and what are they going to be doing to help you reach your goals? We see a lot of businesses go under because of this very pillar. This could also be a huge impact in your success. So it's so difficult to choose one of the most important pillars of all of these five, but this one is vital. It's vital to your success and could make or break. Now, this is the very first full episode of Fit Well For You. I hope you enjoyed these five pillars of building your online empire. But wait, there's more. (laughs) And what makes this podcast so unique is that we are actually bridging the financial and fitness industry together because health and wealth are so interconnected, my friends. And with that, I wanted to bring you some of the industry's leaders in the health and fitness space. And I had the pleasure of speaking with Mike Milner of Neurotype Training. Well, I'm here with Mike Milner, who is creator of Neurotype Training. And I'm so excited to bring him to you guys today because he has a really unique concept on, um, you know, the health and fitness world and aligning your nutrition with your personality type. So welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about where this stemmed from. I think it's an absolutely amazing concept, but I'd really like to know more. How did you come up with it? And like, how did you, like, how did it start? Yeah. So it really all stemmed from my own personal journey and my own struggle with um, my, my health and fitness and body image issues. And uh, I went through almost a decade of losing and gaining around 80 pounds. I would do like this, the typical fad diet, lose a bunch of weight, gain it all back and start the process over again, which I'm sure many people can relate to. Um, Previously before that I was an athlete, so I never had to worry about what I was eating or what I was doing. I was just always super active and stayed lean for most of my life up until I graduated college. And that's where the wheels kind of came flying off. And I just didn't really have the education to know what was happening with my body. So I was very susceptible to big claims of lose 30 pounds in 20 days and the the latest, you know, quick fix. Um, So I just reached a tipping point where the, the discomfort was so bad, where I was skipping out on, you know, family gatherings and seeing friends because I was ashamed of how I looked and I I felt like crap all the time. And I noticed it was impacting relationships and things that were really meaningful in my life. And um, I, it just was that like rock bottom moment where I was like, I got to figure this out. I'm, I'm a relatively intelligent person. I can figure out what's happening in my body and why I'm not able to lose this weight and keep it off. And that was really what, what uh, got me into becoming a personal trainer first and foremost, and then finding my passion in nutrition. And that kind of led me down another avenue of like understanding metabolism and calorie balance and macronutrients and all of these things and proper exercise. 
but I still felt like there was a disconnect because even as I was training people in the gym and I started coaching people in nutrition, I, I started to notice that there was another issue that even knowing all the things about how much food to eat, what foods to eat, what you know, exercise people should be doing, that there was still like a disconnect in actually following through with the plan. We know that the, the best plan in the world means nothing if you can't adhere to it. So that was where I started seeing a lot of people struggling and I became a nutrition coach for another company. And it didn't make sense to me how we could be giving everybody like, here are the calories you should be eating, here are the foods you should be eating, but yet they were consistently gaining weight and not moving towards their goals. So started having a lot of conversations with, with clients and it was always the same thing. It was like, I can't understand why I'm not following through. And I just have a hard time with consistency and I'm not really motivated to follow this plan or I know what I need to be doing. I'm just not doing it. And that led me down the path of understanding human psychology. Cause it was like, all right, if it's, if we know what to do, but we're not doing it, there's, there's a disconnect mentally somewhere that's, that's causing some people to be able to follow the plan and some people who, who can't follow it. And so I started doing more of like psychology courses and certifications, personality psychology, positive psychology. And then I started mentoring under uh, Christian Thibodeau. And that was where all of my worlds kind of came together, um, understanding personality types and how that relates to what plan is going to be easiest for you to adhere to and kind of bridging the gap between nutrition, fitness and psychology, because at the end of the day, it's really about behavior change. That's what we're trying to, to facilitate. It's not about uh, really metabolism or hormones or macros or anything like that. It's, it's really about behavior change because you can have somebody who is significantly overweight and, and the doctor says, if you don't make a change, you're, you're literally going to die. And for some reason that person still doesn't make a change. It, we're, we're dealing with psychology at the end of the day. So uh, that was really kind of how it all came together. And, and I've had, you know, several different mentors along the way that have helped me kind of refine my process. And it's been, you know, over 10 years in the making now. And I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still evolving and, and growing personally, which helps me to uh, continue to pay it forward for my clients. But, but that was really the, the origin of all of it. Wow. So you've hit on so many different um, aspects here. So first of all, being somebody that has experienced that yo-yo effect, I think we all either have been there or know somebody that has really been there. And so I think that definitely hits home and just feeling like you get to the point where you don't even want to go see family members anymore. And something has to be changed. Like something has to give. And then really being a magnet for all of those like calls to action, like learn, like lose 30 pounds quick or, or you know, like you said on, on those, you know, and I understand like after watching all of your social media now, why you call that out so much because, and and we all get upset about it, right? Because we know that that's not true, but then why does like the Optivia do so well as far as like a marketing, uh, you know, magnet for, for people that are struggling, they're hitting on those pain points so well because people are desperate. And then coming across this, this really unique belief that if we really hone in on the psychology of it and fix the source in order to then make some progress, then we can really be onto something here. So I, I absolutely love that. You've hit on so many points there. So in finding this, tell me, I guess, when you work with someone, what is the most common, obviously 
psychology, but what do they come to you with? What do they like, I guess, what is their number one excuse that we know is covered up by an underlying issue? Yeah. Most of our clients that we work with, uh, they're typically a little bit more advanced in that they're used to working out. They're not completely new to the gym. They usually have a base level understanding of nutrition. They've probably tried a bunch of diets in the past. They've gone through, you know, the Weight Watchers or Nooms or, you know, Optavias of the world. And they understand a little bit about nutrition. Maybe they've tracked macros in the past. Um, typically, the people that we're working with have this uh, preconceived notion that losing weight has to be severely restrictive, mm -hmm. that it has to come with a whole laundry list of things that they can't do, uh, that they have to spend hours in the gym doing cardio. So there's there's this pre-existing belief of all yeah. of this stuff that's like, well, I really want to get this weight off, but I know that I'm going to have to like give up my social life and I'm going to have to stop drinking completely. I'm going to have to stop going on date nights and I'm going to have to stop eating carbs and stop eating sugar. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All of that major stuff. extreme <laughs> end of the spectrum of complete suffering in order to accomplish anything. Yeah. And so it's, it's really what I always liken it to is the classic New Year's mindset, because if you think about how everybody goes into their New Year's resolution, they literally go from zero to 100. It's the holiday season ends, you're really uncomfortable, you really want to make a change, and you start to think about that ideal version of yourself who's 50 pounds lighter, 30 pounds lighter, whatever your goal is. And then you try to change everything all at once. And there, there's this assumption that, all right, well, I haven't been working out at all, but now I'm going to commit to six days a week. And I haven't been paying any attention to my nutrition, but now I'm going to eat perfectly. And now I'm going to insert this supplement protocol and I'm going to go for walks every day and I'm going to drink more water. And you, you add like 10 different things that you weren't previously doing and it's unsustainable, which is why most resolutions fail by February. And right. so- what we do is we basically knock down all of the, the preconceived beliefs about what it takes to be successful. And we start very small. And that's that's the hardest buy-in, which is we're actually going to do this the sustainable way, the way that works with human psychology that has proven the process for behavior change, which is which is really ironic because we have all of these diets that go against what we know about behavior change. And yet billions of dollars are pumped into that that marketing machine and people sign up for stuff like that every day where we we have the blueprint we know exactly how behavior change works it's just the it goes against our survival based brain because our survival based brain is like give me instant gratification now right. why the 30 pounds in 20 days sounds so appealing but once we can get over that that hump and that pre-existing belief of of what it takes to be successful and we can uh you know go the slow and steady one thing at a time, because if you, let's say you're, you're only walking 2000 steps a day, instead of being like, all right, well, I got to go from that to 10,000. If we just go from 2000 to 3000 or 4,000, like those small incremental changes, it's kind of like compounding interest when you're, when you're investing like that little 1% adds yeah. up over time. And it kind of has that like hockey stick, like growth in the beginning, it almost feels like nothing's happening, but if you continue to just build and compound the, those little daily habits or those daily deposits, it makes a huge difference down the road. And so that's, that's really the shift that we make. And uh, it's a, it's a tough mental buy-in, but once you can get to that place and recognize if all the things that I was doing before were going to work, they would have worked by now. So I have to try a different approach. Wow. Yeah. And I like your financial comparison there. That was perfect. Um, so tell me, I guess, what 
So when somebody finally decides to make that decision, I mean, how amazing is it that you've taken them from, let's say the yo-yo or the constant, uh, you know, immediate gratification to then, okay, it's been two months and now I'm, I'm walking, you know, 5,000 steps a day or, or whatever that looks like. And I guess you said that you work with more advanced, um, advanced people, but I guess my question is, is when somebody is trying to get for, or when somebody is frustrated that they're not seeing the results fast enough, because obviously we are immediate gratification. How do you continue to, come back to that behavior change? Um, is that just something that is built over time? That behavior, I guess, system is is kind of like a muscle that you have to work over time. Yeah, it can be, but it, it helps to also work with kind of how our brains are wired. So we mm. crave dopamine, which anytime you are like envisioning a goal, you get that dopamine hit. If you think about you know, making a million dollars or being 50 pounds lighter, it's going to trigger a little bit of a dopamine rush. And it feels really good, which is often why the act of setting a goal is sometimes more rewarding than than doing the work to get to uh, the goal. Like uh, it feels really good. You're like, you, you picture it and you can feel that that emotion. And then the work starts and you're like, oh, this, this sucks. I actually have to do the right, thing. And right. then sometimes people will sabotage themselves so that they can set the goal again and get that dopamine rush. Um, so the way that you work with it is you can get the dopamine hit that your brain craves through process oriented goals. It doesn't have to be outcome based. It doesn't have to be, I'm down 10 pounds. So I get this, this feel good uh, neurotransmitter that's released in my body. It can be, I said, I was going to go to the gym and I did. And I, and I checked it off my calendar or my to-do list and that can trigger a dopamine response. And it also is how habits are formed. So we can have something that um, you know, triggers the behavior, then you have the behavior itself, and then you have the reward after the behavior. The cool thing is that the reward doesn't have to be something, you know, lavish or or, or big. It can literally be checking something off of your to-do list. That can be the reward that gives your brain the sense of completion. I did something that I said I was going to do. I got that little bit of a dopamine hit that my brain craves, and now it's reinforcing the behavior, and I'm building self-trust and confidence in myself. So a lot of what we do is process-driven, where we get people to to reward themselves based on doing the things that they say they're going to do that ultimately will lead to the outcome. But we kind of take the lens off of the end goal because there really is no end goal. At the end of the day, even if you have a 50 pound fat loss goal, once you get there, you still have to maintain it. And, and you, the goal is hopefully to be healthy for, you know, as long as you live and, and to extend your life. So it's not like we hit a finish line and it's like, okay, I can relax now. I'm done. All the work is over. Uh, so we really try to focus on the process and reward the process instead of the outcome. Right. It's not like there's some magic pot of gold at the end of that 50 pound rainbow or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote that down process oriented goals, because I think that is so imperative. I mean, anybody that's done anything challenging, whether it's a substantial weight loss, a bodybuilding competition a race, you know, you get to that end goal and, and then what? Right. And so I really love the idea of process oriented goals. And so what are little wins um, that like, give me an example, because I know having, <laughs> I made it the whole week, I was good. So I'm going to have this huge binge day is probably not the best strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So it always depends on the person. I always like to start people where they're at. But one thing that we do with clients is we'll have them do like a commitment card uh, just to kick things off where we're going to do one nutrition based commitment, one movement based commitment, and one personal 
commitment. And it's just three things. And the way that I like to frame the commitment card, sometimes I call them anchors or pillars. These are the things that you should be able to do on your worst day. And that's always the frame is like when, when everything in your life goes wrong, when you just have that day, you slept through your alarm, you know, the kids are upset about something, you're fighting with your spouse, your boss is being, you know, is giving you a hard time, whatever the case may be, it's just your worst day. You still can do these three things and you know that you can still get these three things done. And, and that's really where the bar should be set um, because that's what a, a strong foundation looks like. And if you get thrown off because quote unquote life happens, life is always going to happen. So it might look like my movement goal is just a five minute walk every day. So I know that no matter what, on my worst day, I can still get out for five minutes. And if somebody ever tries to tell me that they can't get a a walk in for five minutes, I tell them, show me the screen time on your phone and I'll show you the five minutes that you have. And uh, then the nutrition might be, I'm just going to have, you know, a high protein breakfast. That's, that's the only thing that I'm going to do for the day with nutrition. That might be my nutrition commitment is high protein breakfast every single day. Notice we're not saying the whole day I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to, you know, eat my calories perfectly, my macros perfectly. It's just my commitment for nutrition is high protein breakfast. That's it. Um, and that's just another example. Personal, um, this is where I really like to to dive into the individual and what's meaningful for them. But a very generic example could be, uh, you know, gratitude every day. So every single day, I'm going to say one thing that I'm grateful for. I'm going to write it in my journal or whatever. Um, so those are my three things on my commitment card. And I know that on my worst day, I'm still getting those three things done so that I'm never having a zero day. I'm always doing at least the minimum effective dose to keep that positive trend going, the momentum going, the self-trust and confidence in myself that when I commit to something, I follow through. And then it just builds from there. Because a lot of times when people go out for the five-minute walk, they're like, well, I have more than five minutes. I'm just going to make it a 15-minute walk. Right. But the the bar was set at five minutes. And if you decide to go past that, great. But you know that even when everything, you know, goes off track, you still have those three things that you're going to get done. And one day it doesn't happen. It's no big deal. Uh, it's It's not like things are so challenging that you can't just pick right back up the next day. And I think a lot of times people struggle where they set the bar way too high. Yeah. And, and then when they, when they can't meet that standard, it's like, well, I don't, you know, I can't follow that any day. Again, that's like the classic new year's resolution example. And yeah. they just default back to doing nothing. So we always want to start with the, the minimum effective dose. Um, and then we just build from there. And that's how the foundation keeps getting stronger. That's amazing because number one, it's not, it's not anything groundbreaking, right? Like that is just simple. And then number two, I love that it's something that you can do on your worst day. I think that's one thing that a lot of us forget because I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I create a goal, it's like, I'm the most motivated ever when I create a goal for myself. And it's like, well, of course I'm going to have these super high audacious goals when I'm extra motivated. But then what happens on the day that I'm not motivated? Am I super motivated to do the work? No, not exactly. And you just did a post about motivation that I thought was, was very, very smart too. So tell me what your biggest misconception that you want to get straight as far as anything that's out there in the general public, or maybe it's something that you hear all the time or questions that you always get. What is the biggest misconception that you like, as far as health and fitness that you want to set straight? Yeah, I think that there's still, if we're talking general population, I still think that muscle is not um, prioritized enough. I still think that there's this push for cardio and 
And like that strength training has to be this big, you know, commitment. You have to get into the gym six, seven days a week to build muscle. Like muscle is the gift that keeps on giving. And I think that, you know, obviously the statistics are out there about obesity rates and, and our health decline and everything like that. And I think, yes, we, you know, we are getting more obese, but I think a lot of the problems stem from being under muscled as a society, as a culture. I think that we just everything is convenient now. And, and we don't have that built in, you know, way of living that supports muscle growth. So we have to go get it. We have to seek it out. And I think that that's one thing from a fitness standpoint is even if it's one day a week, even if it's two days a week, if just, you know, challenge yourself to lift some heavy stuff and uh, get into the gym, if you can, or if you have some stuff that you can do at home, I think it's the lowest, um, you know, effort, highest return, thing that you can do, I would say that and walking, like walk more for your health and and lift, even if it's only once a week. Um, but your the result, the return on investment for building muscle is, is so when it comes to metabolism, when it comes to aging, when it comes to bone health and joint health and just feeling strong and capable. And um, it's one of the easiest things to just get into the habit of doing it. That's going to have such a huge return. Uh, if we're talking about nutrition, um, I would say that, you know, a, a lot of the people that I work with uh, would, would be more about like having to go significantly low calories in order to see progress. I think that's still um, way too prevalent, 1200 calorie meal plans and thousand calorie diets and, you know, all of that stuff. And how can we suppress our appetite? So we eat very little. And um, I think that that message, and that's, again, that's more for people who are like actively on that dieting hamster wheel. Um, yeah. general population, it's really just a food quality thing. In my opinion, I think for, for gen pop, it's more about seeking convenience versus understanding like quality, whole food nutrition and having an 80, 20 rule where 80% of your nutrition is coming from whole quality food sources, getting in enough protein and veggies and fruit and carbs. And, um, you know, just reducing the amount of meals that you're eating out or the meals that are, you know, convenience, fast food, alcohol, that sort of thing. So, um, those would be my things, my two things, if we're talking like one for fitness, one for nutrition. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was honestly groundbreaking. I've written down a couple of the checkpoints that I was like, Ooh, aha moments for myself even. Um, but I can't wait to get it out. I can't wait for everybody to hear about this. Thanks so much for being on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much again for listening to our very first full episode of fit wealth. You be sure to subscribe and don't miss out on the opportunity to make your business dreams a financial reality. Be sure to join us every single week for actionable insight that will transform your business and your life. This is fit wealth. You where your money mastery begins. Oh, oh, oh.